Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode, it's myself, Nick, Dave Butler, and my son, Aiden Karadza, is on this episode, and that's it's really special for me because, you know, we started this business when he was really young, to, so to have him now turning 18 and starting to ask questions about real estate, really, I just feel, I guess I'm having one of those proud father moments, so really pumped to have him on here. A few weeks ago, he started asking me questions about his savings and how he would eventually be able to turn that into his first rental property, so he's thinking about buying his first rental property as soon as he can, and he had questions about credit and credit cards. He knows when he's about to go to university now, he's going to get a lot of offers for credit cards because I've been warning him about this because I used credit cards all wrong when I when I started out in university, um, so he, he asked, like, how does he build good credit? So I said, instead of me answering these questions, why don't we bring in Dave Butler from Butler Mortgages to answer questions around credit, credit scores, income levels, down payments, and everything an 18-year-old should know if they're going to set themselves up to buy a rental property as soon as humanly possible. So that's what we're doing on this episode. Aiden's asking some questions to Dave. Um, Nick and myself chime in, and we have a good talk about all these different things. I really think if you have an 18-year-old asking similar types of questions, this might be a useful episode for you. Hopefully, that's the intent. We get this question quite a lot from different Rockstar Inner Circle members that we work with when they're working with their own you know, adult, uh, young adults. And uh, that's why we decided to do it. So if you are listening to this and you have not checked out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership for yourself yet, you can look at all the benefits online if you visit www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. The membership is something we've been running for about 13 years now. We are really proud of this thing. We'd put a lot of training classes out to members we do live and lately we've been doing a lot of online training. So we bring in all our accountants, our paralegals, lawyers, all the different professionals we use, some of them who set up second suites legally. We bring in our own team to talk about student rentals, all different types of strategies, multi-unit investing, how to set up duplexes properly to increase your income. Um, multi-unit real estate investing, property management strategies, how to get, how to analyze different numbers. So we have classes going on here at, uh, at Rockstar for Rockstar Inner Circle members, typically at least one a week, if not more. So that's the biggest thing I believe we're offering with the membership. We're trying to lead with education. You're also mapped to your own personal coach here at Rockstar. So it's a member of the Rockstar team who's a real estate investor themselves, who is your coach to go around and ask you, what are your short-term objectives with your real estate investing and what are your long-term goals? And then we lay down some plans. We talk to you about the different property types we're seeing around all the different golden horseshoe areas and we take action together. And sometimes that means just learning more, reading the member newsletter that goes out to you, coming to the classes, learning from other Rockstar um, investors, learning from the coach here at Rockstar, or some people are just ready to get going and they hit the streets and we kind of walk you through the process. So if you want to learn more about the membership, you can get all the benefits listed out at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for now. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, we are live with Dave William Butler. Nick, you can hear me okay? Just checking. 
No answer. Oh, yeah, we think he can hear us. Okay. I just want, right. to, I want to see the reaction. If I'm like, if I don't answer the question, let's see what happens. Like Nick's muted. This is like a, this is a big moment for me because uh, Aiden is on with us here. Yeah. Aiden. First time appearance. First time appearance. And I quit my job. when I decided to quit when Aiden was four. I think I ultimately quit when he was five. Now he's 18 sitting here. With and Dave. the reason you waited because the other guy sitting here, Dave, we needed the, we needed your T four to keep buying properties. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why. Don't get rid of the T four. Don't get rid of that T. Remember, my dad told you. He said, "Tom, you know, you have a you have kids. Like, I mean, this this you have a wife. You should not be leaving this job to do this." And I remember. Uh, and years, years later, he's wrong. I thought you were going to confront him about that on the podcast. Oh, really? No, no. You know what? I actually forgot I about that. Throw if, it in there. That if I had great. remembered that he had said that, <laughs> and now I do that now that you've said that, but if I remembered, I totally would have confronted him. Uh, that would have been so, awesome. So uh, this is kind of a cool ma- moment to have Aiden here. But uh, Aiden, so the reason this started is Aiden was asking me questions like, Dad, some some guys are getting you know credit cards or starting to talk about credit cards. Yep. Should I get one? And I thought, I don't, don't ask me. And, and Aiden wanted to wants to buy a property. Oh. So I'm like, ask the master, Dave William Butler. So yeah, uh, I was like, go to Dave. Yeah, yeah. So Aiden, you know, uh, fire away okay. at Dave and we'll just jump right into this. So I guess I'm 18 now. Some of my friends are getting credit cards and stuff. I don't know much about them. Um, so I guess just generally what some things that I should know about credit cards before I start and get one. For sure. Let me, I guess uh, one of the biggest things to throw out there actually before is I remember going to university like and we I think we all for, for all of us that did go to university I just remember like first week remember there's all the visas oh, yeah. and the MasterCards yeah. and they're right like there. I've been know. warning him already yeah, yeah. Like, totally I remember I remember that and I remember my dad going you're not doing that you know and it was it was he said it's a sucker's move and all that fun stuff so and uh but um to get to the answer to the question um you know the reality is, is a credit card is insanely important for you in the future when you are going to be buying your your house or buying, you know, your condo or whatever you're going to be buying. It's also important to have when you're even buying a car or when you're even wanting to access other credit. Um, the reality is your credit score is everything. It follows you everywhere. Um, anytime you're trying to access any type of funds, uh, it's going to be a factor. So um, getting a credit card is awesome. I think uh, you should definitely get one at an, as early as an age as possible. Um, I don't know for those that know, like Lorenzo that works at my office, really young guy, he came to me at like 16 years old um, to get, uh, to, to basically learn how he could buy a house as quickly as possible. And, uh, we tried to get him a credit card at 16 and they wouldn't allow it. So uh, you actually, there's like an age group. I don't like, even know. I think, I, like think I think it's 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. So, so we ended up having to wait the two years, but, um, you know, getting a credit card is really important because that's going to be your, most people's first kind of foray into building their credit score up. Um, what you do is you'll apply for it. Now, I'm not against those ones at the schools. I just think they don't educate you guys to, um, as to kind of what to do and how to use it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't tell you don't go to the bar and buy all your friends' drinks and max it out and then make minimum payments for about eighteen years. Yeah, they they definitely there's no education there. There's just there it it does seem like the you know they're they're trying to prey on the on the young kids and uh, yeah. their the, the ability the or the fact that they're not as educated. So what do you got to do with it? So is it is it worthwhile to put like money on it every month and then pay it off, or you don't you just need to use it once every six months? Like how do you start building that? How, you know, for Aiden, like how does he yeah, start building that? Yeah, yeah no, no. so we, we kind of have a thing when, when we're even trying to help people build their credit from the scratch or repair their credit. One of the things we'll tell them is you want to go and, you know, we want it. First of all, we want to ensure 
that we know what our limit is on that on that credit card. Let's say it's a thousand dollars, and then what you really want to do is you want to never go above on on your balance. You never want to go above about fifty percent. Now it doesn't mean you can't, but you really would want to keep your balance as minimal as possible to the limit, because the credit score, the rating, one of the things that's really important. Whether you have a great credit score or you have a mediocre or a bad credit score yeah. is based on your um, limit to balance utilization. Huh. So if I have a thousand dollar credit card and I, every month I'm keeping my balance at a thousand and I'm just making that minimum payment, yeah. um, your credit the, effectively what that's a signal is is hey we've you're paying your credit but you're maximizing it. You're you're using rate to the tip of it, and that nowadays like couple like probably four years ago they changed the credit scoring system where that will penalize you quite a bit. Now, it's not going to penalize you to the point where they're like, oh, you're terrible, you're, you know, yeah, you're bad. Yeah, yeah. But it's certainly not going to give you that high, high, high score. It's going to put you somewhere in the middle. So there's kind of these little hacks, you know what I mean, that we do to get around it, which is, A, don't let your balance go past 50%. So if I have a $1,000 card, I'm probably not going to let my balance sit past $500. The other thing, too, is every month, you want to make at least the minimum payment. Okay, yeah. Right? I mean, anytime you are late, that's going to end up showing up on your credit and one bad, you know, one, one late payment on your credit score is going to actually just pound your score down. Okay. And it's going to be a reflection of, you know, cause you got to remember what your score is, is it's basically it's, it's a sign. You got to think like it's a sign for when you go to apply somewhere else, that credit score is going to be them saying, okay, should I lend you or should I not lend to you? Yeah. Right. Deciding so factor. that's, and that's the main thing, right? So if there's ways where we can hack it and keep the score as high as possible, um, that's certainly what we want to do. So minimum balance or, you know, make sure you, you know, keep under that 50% threshold, um, make your minimum payments every month. Now there's a lot of people that say, well, what should I just pay my credit card off every month? Such an interesting question that I get. Because I've been telling them, yeah, just pay it off. Just pay it off. But, but to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, this is really, really, really interesting. So if you think about the, the credit bureaus, they are reporting your balance as it shows up on your statement every month. Okay? So imagine I get my statement every month. It says my balance is $500. I make my, let's say I pay the whole thing off. Okay, fine. But let's pretend there becomes some times where you end up, you've paid your credit card off. And then you maybe buy something on it, but you pay that off before your statement comes out so that when your statement comes out, your balance is zero. Oh. Okay. Think about this for a second, right? So you imagine your balance, you've used it, you used the card, but you knew what you didn't even need to wait for your statement. You just paid the thing off because you're a really good guy and you're like, I want to pay this off. I don't like this debt. Your balance now when your statement comes out, zero. Huh. That's what gets reported to Equifax. Now here's the kicker. And this is why I'm talking about this. Typically, if your balance is zero for like three, four months in a row, every time Equifax is getting that, that, that number, it actually ends up thinking you're not using the card. It doesn't have, Equifax is not. So Aiden, just so you're clear, the statement is like your bill in the mail yeah. every month saying, here's how much you owe on your visa. So if you're paying it before that comes in and it shows zero. Yeah, it doesn't look like you're using it. Yeah. And then as soon as you're not using it for three or four months, guess what happens to your rating? It basically oh. doesn't, it's not, that particular card won't be an impact in your rating mm -hmm. anymore. The system, and remember, it's, it's a computer system. So it just seem, seems to think, oh, you're not using this anymore. Therefore, I'm not going to give you a rating for this. Even though you're doing the perfect thing, which is paying it off before you even get your statement, you would assume that is the best. That should be someone yeah, who has the totally. best, best credit. You have to be really careful of that. And that's what we tell a lot of people. Because a lot of people will say, I want to rebuild my credit. Or I want to build my credit up. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to use it. And I'm going to pay off the whole balance. We're like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. Worst case scenario, 
even just leave a $10 balance. A $10 balance on a $1,000 card, think of the limit to balance ratio there. You're at like 1%, right? So therefore, that's a gr- that's going to actually pound your that's score so right up. That's so funny that that actually matters. Yeah, yeah. The ten, the, leaving 10 bucks on there. But yeah, it's, it's So you're thinking leave, leave the $10 on Always. there and make minimum payments of like whatever it would be, 83 cents. Or it, it would actually be $10. Yeah, because the minimum, oh, the minimum, minimum is over oh, $10. So I would say you leave $10 balance, then make your $10 payment, then go and use the card again. Because we actually, a lot of times when we oh, are... So that's the best thing to do. Oh, yeah. So you made so then you spend 500 bucks on the card, you pay four. No, but see, that works against you, doesn't it? Because I guess from an interest standpoint, because if you you have a $500 balance, yep. you, you're going to pay off 490 to leave 10 yep. bucks. But then you get charged interest for two months on the full balance of the five hundred bucks. It's like it's a weird calculation, man. They scam yeah, you good that way. They they do get you. I mean, it, to me, it's it. There is like a cost to building it up. I mean, the okay. cool thing about like with us, we're ours is more mature. You know, what I mean, we have more things on there. But with the young guys or the young girls, and they've got their you know very. It's we call it thin credit, where they've got one or two credit cards. You want to be really careful on those. Now, once Aiden's got. Yeah. Four or five credit cards. He's got his car loan, his mortgage on there. He won't have get, to get kind of re- play get this ready game. for it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> slow, slow that roll. Slow that roll. You, you won't have to play this game of balance to limit stuff, but certainly for, you know, we think it's really important for people, A, that are having to rebuild their credit, meaning they had some issues, they need to rebuild their credit and get it back, or new new people like Aiden that are going to be getting their first credit card or the first couple credit cards. How, you know, how can you utilize that in a good way? So if I'm just summarizing this, you get, let's say he gets a card, thousand dollar limit, go and get something for 500 bucks or board Aiden, go buy some for only a hundred bucks. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. if it was important to get some of the utilization beyond $10. Like I didn't know if just it was even a dollar. You just want to get, as soon as you get $1 on there, you're utilizing it and that's good. We were just want, we want to focus on not having most of the young people going over 50% okay. of okay. the, so don't limit. go over 50, but at a minimum, put something on there for $10. Do not pay it off early. Cause you can go online banking and yeah. see that it's there and just pay it. Wait till but it wait, comes in. Yeah. Wait till it's due. And then yep. he, he's not even going to get a mailed statement anymore. Let's face no, it. No, he's going to get online. he's going to get his online statement. But then statement. when the statement is due, then make the payment. Yep. And then next month put another like 10 bucks Do on. Do it again. Make sure. Now, I mean, that's if you're doing it really, you know, in that such a really rigid way. The reality is Aiden is going to use his credit card and he's going to go buy dinner one night or he's going to do gonna this. Go say buy, buy a wakeboard. <laughs> By the way, just on, on, on a little side, Aiden and Dave were chatting here. Nick, were you here? Oh yeah, you were here with the, you were wearing a mask wakeboarding for fun, <laughs> for fun in the COVID era. I don't, I don't know why. Out we, on the lake, you thought you should be wearing a mask. Dave's were, good on the wakeboard. <laughs> we, we just decided uh, for some reason, we're trying to get good pictures. So we thought, you know what? We might as well practice safe wakeboarding as well. So I wonder we, what it's I like because like, like, you don't fall. Like, see, for me, if I face planted, unless you're doing a jump or something, but if I face planted with a mask on, I'm curious how, what kind of suffocating, torturous feeling that is. Listen, I'm not going to lie. If you watch the video of me, I put it over my whole face and then I literally couldn't breathe because it gets wet. So then you put it over your whole face. As soon as I took my first breath in, it just sucked. Like it yeah, just, I felt I got good, nothing. Not so I, I actually move it under my nose so I could actually just breathe a little yeah. bit. But yeah, weekend shenanigans. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, um, and then multiple credit cards, good or bad, right out of, right out of the gates. Well, right out of the gate, let's keep it down to like two, maybe three. Um, there becomes maybe a three. point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but well, that's, that's for those that maybe want a MasterCard, a Visa, an Amex or something like that, right? But um, I, I don't recommend, at least for, for really young people that are getting started, no more than one or two. Three is stretching it. And um, there's a reason for that. You don't want 
to have, you know, it becomes a point of no return, you know, where if I have six, you know, credit cards, I'm not getting, you know, that guy who has six credit cards. So compared to the, wait, sorry, I don't yeah. even know why you would have multiple credit cards. Oh, this is well, here. Oh, that's I'll, a great, I love yes. That's a great, question. it is a great right question, there. actually. So, uh, ultimately a lot of times, you know, I like for me, I'll just say me, I mean, I know, I know your dad and, and uh, your uncle will have their own ideas, but for me, I like a visa. Um, I like to have uh, a MasterCard and I like to have an Amex. Um, certain places will take American Express. I know with us, the bit, there's a business Amex that's, that's, I like, it's got good, good point returns and all that fun stuff. Some places like Costco will like only take yeah so that's just ultimately you want to have probably one from each but that's not well, at the beginning yeah, yeah that's over time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think visa is probably still the most widespread one 100 percent. Right? yeah if i was a young kid i'd be getting a visa maybe a mastercard okay. stay away from the amex because they're a little more pricey on the on the um annual fees basically but that's because you're getting more points but, but you're you're talk, your answer was very strategic whereas when i went through university when I saw my friends getting credit cards and myself, it wasn't strategic. It was like I could go to Royal Bank and get a $1,000 credit card and I could use the whole $1,000. Then it was like CIBC had a booth and they're like, we'll give you a credit card. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I get another. So it wasn't strategic like to have a Visa MasterCard. Yeah, it was like, was just... I'll get four Visas. And instead of having $1,000 of credit, I now have $4,000 <laughs> of credit. And I would, I was max, I didn't know what I was doing. I was maxing them all up and making minimum payments, like all the wrong things to do. You so, know what though? Here's so I love the fact that Aiden that you were asking yeah. why would you even get more than one. It thing? also matters what the free giveaway is because I used to work at, at MBNA <laughs> for MBNA. It was it was like a promotion company, yeah. and it was I could go to the Leaf games. It was during the playoffs. And they're like, yeah, you get to go to the Leaf Games. You have to stand there and give away like a free T-shirt. I was like, who wants your free T-shirt? Yeah. And all they had to do was was apply for the MBNA Mastercard at that you time. You were one of those guys. And I was one, yeah, because because then in while well, the period was the game was playing was on, no one was actually like going through the halls. So then I just stood with the usher and watched the playoff games for free. This is when I was like in college or something. Like this is the best job ever. I get to go to all the playoff games. Is so that, yeah, I was one of those guys. So that's what you got to watch out for because yeah. those cards are the they they give them to. I mean, the, the, to qualify is much easier even than like the the Royal Bank. Especially if they have that nice yeah. duffel bag and you're like, I could use a duffel bag. Yeah, oh, yeah, just, yeah. That's what it was. It was that Leaf t-shirt man during the playoffs. I can't. I was like, I can't believe all these. And by this time, I had an understanding of these yeah. types of credit cards. I'm like, I can't believe all these people are signing up for this credit card. This is crazy. But hey, get your free t-shirt. And that's how, I remember you were walking in the airport and they'll be like, hey, sign up here. You get 10,000 free points or something. I mean, they, there's always some something that they're going to be able to get so you So that's on. what they're going to, I'm sure at university, they're going to have yeah, some pretty good offers. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so credit cards then. Aiden, anything else on that? Do we cover that? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess just like, what does a better credit score do for you when you're buying the property? Well, so, you know, with building up that credit, you know, as we talked about kind of the, the little tricks to do, and, and if we go back, obviously, again, make sure no late payments. Um, now I'll give you a little, a little hack. Um, that's good to know. Yeah. So imagine you get your bill, you know, from visa and it says your due date is December 21st, let's say, right. Let's say you by accident, don't make your payment until December 23rd. So you're like, oh shoot, I'm two days late. This is really, and I, I don't know if we should be promoting what I'm about to tell you, but the hack is that you're not actually late on the credit bureau till you're 30 days behind your due date. So if my payment due date is December 21st on my statement, and I make my payment though two days late on December 23rd, I'm late with the credit card issuer, I'm not late on the credit bureau. 
It's really important wow, to know. Yeah. Now, again, we don't want to promote that because I think that, yeah, <laughs> you know you what I mean? But it's, it's it. good to know because some people will just give up. They'll be like, oh, I was late. I'll just make my payment next month. It's like, no, 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 no. You have make a it. chance to not be late here on the credit bureau. Yes, CIBC Visa, for example, might say you're late, but that's with them. And your rating with CIBC will be completely different. You'll have an internal rating with them that'll be different from your credit score. But your credit score is universally used. So that's the most important. Okay, so before you answer his question on why he need, what's the difference with different credit scores, what's the value to him, What um, if you pay two days late, because we pay our visas off always on time, mm -hmm. I even forget, is it interest on those two days? When does interest kick in? Oh, after, yeah. After the... you. Well, they're After charging. Days? Well, they're charging you. They they charge you the interest based on your balance and how many days you you're borrowing the money. But then when so you're, you're two days two old, days. when you're two days over, they're going to give you. There's going to be like interest overage that they're going to be. They're going to be able to compound the interest on the interest. So yeah, you are Got definitely. It. Okay. It, there is a cost to it, yeah, yeah. but certainly it's just good to know. I, the main reason yeah, for pointing not, that. Yeah, waiting until next month. Yeah, that's. I've found that a lot. I've talked to clients and I'll be like, "Why were you late on this? It was a fifteen dollar payment." He's like, "Oh, I was a couple days late, so I just figured I'd pay it at the end of the month when the next one came." And I'm like, uh, you ended up getting yourself an R2. And what an R2 is, is basically on the credit bureau, as long as you're making your payments and you're in good standing. When I look at that credit bureau, if I see, let's say, Aiden, your CIBC visa, it's going to say R1. And that means you're in R1 status. You are in perfect status. You are paying oh, it on I time. See. You are not late. If it's R2, that means that person is 30 days late. An R3 is 60 days late. An R4 is 90 days late. And then R five is like it's now going into arrears, basically. That's all, all, all because of that little payment myth. That's so. That's a huge tip. Yeah. Um, and then what is so? Sorry, Aiden. Back to your I'll question. Go back. What, sorry is, yeah, what does it do for him? Uh, the the better credit score. Um, well, having a better credit score is going to definitely put you in the top kind of category in terms of getting the best rates. So the way it works in mortgages is that if your credit score is let's say at a threshold of six eighty or higher then your guarantee, your, at least your credit score is going to allow you to apply at all the big banks for all the best rates. But let's say you're, you've, you've kind of made some mistakes on your credit and now your credit score is like a 550. You completely make yourself ineligible for any of the top rates. You're now, you have to, them. you can't even get, you have to go with what's called a B lender. So if we think of big banks and like these lenders that have these awesome 1.99, you know, interest rates, those we consider A lenders, right? Those are the top of the top. You know, B lenders are where there's an issue, either your credit or your income or something. So you definitely, and the first factor in mortgages, literally the first thing that I look at and that every mortgage person looks at is the credit score. If there's any, if there's a, if there's an order in which um, of importance on a mortgage application, it's credit number one, then income, then down payment, hmm. basically, right? So. Okay, yeah. Does so that make then, sense? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know it does. And then I guess uh, for the mortgages, I just don't know, I guess, with like, let's say I get the top tier credit score, yep. I can apply to the big bank. Yep. Um, what does like the monthly payments will look differently? I need to pay less a month because I have a better credit score or well, I guess yeah. that. So that's I, the kicker is so when you're with the A lender, let's say, for example, right? So your credit's great. I was able to get you with an A lender. I got you a 1.99 interest rate. Your payment is now going to be at, based on 1.99. I see. When I go to the B lender, let's say you've had some credit impairments and I say, oh, Aiden, I can only get you approved at the B lender. Instead of 1.99, you might be sitting at 3.99, 4.25. Yeah. So now your payment will definitely be higher yeah, yeah, yeah. because you're on a higher interest rate. So okay. it, the effect is massive. And again, as the biggest thing to point out, it is the first 
and foremost thing on a mortgage application that any bank or mortgage broker is looking at is your credit because that dictates whether right away whether you can go to an a lender or a b lender or even a private lender and that's a whole other topic that we don't even how can he <laughs> or, or students or how can aiden check his credit score does he have to go to someone like you or is there no you can check your credit score on all these you know on online, uh, online equifax.ca and, and transunion and whatnot now the one thing is is that you, a lot of times your score that you're going to get on equifax is going to be a little bit different than the one that i get from equifax and that's i actually don't even have the reason for that other than to tell you that there seems to be consumer reports that seem to have different scoring and then there's the one that we get which is straight from the equifax system which has oh, like that's weird four is, different scores on it is yours more uh, yours are more conservative <clears throat> probably i would guess they want to make the consumer feel better and then they tell you you're 100 percent right yeah. yeah i mean there's been so many times where i'll say say to a client yeah your credit score was x you know and then they'll come back and go oh no it's it was this. It was this when I checked it yesterday. And we're like, yeah, no, we checked it yesterday too. And this is the score. So it's, there is a, cons and it, ours always, the point of that is it's always, ours is the lower one. You know what I mean? Because it, they're never getting upset at us because they're like, well, my score was higher yeah. on my end than, yeah. or more on your end than my end. I'm like, no, it's always the opposite. Before we get to the next set of questions, what, how long does he have to use the visa or oh, make yeah. the payments Until to actually get this credit score working. it's pretty you know that's the cool thing it's pretty instantaneous so like your first basically month or two all of a sudden you're going to get a score and um and that I'll, score can be used at the banks to qualify for a mortgage yeah so wow. uh, no so here so oh. yes yes and no yes and no so Aiden's eyes lit up. <laughs> <laughs> he's like dad i'm buying a house yeah. in a month <laughs> yeah. um uh so the way it works is yes it's going to generate you a score and that's great but banks on a mortgage side don't just look at your score they will look at your score and then they're gonna look at the guts we call it the guts of the credit bureau what's inside and what's inside is gonna show that you've only had credit for a month or two and with mortgages they want to see that you've had at least 12 months of credit minimum right okay. so once you have 12 months of established credit now you are basically eligible for a mortgage on the credit side yeah okay yeah so like 12 months okay 12 What's months we might be we, i think you're i think you're buying a house yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking yeah, at dad i'm looking at i'm looking at son and they're looking excited. at each other he they're like to. i think i'm getting a house he wants to uh aiden anything else on income no i guess just now okay so let's say i have a good credit score i have enough for a down payment i guess no i guess we can see i don't even know really how much i need for a down payment like i have a general idea and i know it depends on the property in the area yeah but I guess. So it's going to depend on some other factors. It's going to depend on your income, right? So, um, you know, basically when we look at that, you know, that kind of three phases of the mortgage application, you've got the credit, you've got the income, you've got the down payment. So if you've got the credit, that's great. That's obviously number one. Yep. If you've got some down payment, that's fantastic. Now, number two, right in the middle, income. So let's say that you have a job. You've, you're out of university. You have your first job. Um, the first thing you want to do when you've got your credit, you've now got your income and you've got your down payment is you want to contact a banker or a mortgage broker and they're, you're going to ask them that say, I want to get pre-approved. And that's, that pre-approval process is where they're going to tell you what you qualify for. So what the maximum price is, what kind of mortgage you're oh. looking at, what your monthly payments are going to be, all that fun stuff. Depending on the income. Yeah. So it basically, so it's funny credit. It's kind of like, if you think about it, credit gets you in the door. Okay down payment gets you through the next door income 
then determines which of the doors you get to go through next. Is it a million dollar house? Is it a five hundred thousand dollar house? Is it a three hundred thousand dollar house? Okay, I see. Yeah. Income determines what you can afford. Credit determines whether you're even lendable or not. And then the down payment. The where the way the reason why down payment is kind of the third most important is because if you if your credit is great and you have good income and you qualify, then you're going to be able to buy a house with as little as five percent down payment. That's a small amount, yeah. right? But let's say your credit's bad. Or let's say your credit is good, but your income's not there. You know what I mean? Or the reverse, your credit's bad, but you do have the income. You don't have one of those things. You're going to get delegated to a B lender. And then the problem is with B lenders, the minimum down payment to buy a house with a B lender is 20%. Okay, yeah, big difference. So huge difference, right? Good credit and income. For him, for a rental property, it's still going to be 20%. Um, If you are buying a designated rental property where you're saying to the lender, hey, I'm buying this as a rental, the idea is yes. If he's buying it for himself, then he could leverage the 5% down. Yes, if you are buying a house for yourself to move into, you can buy with as little as 5% down. So here's this is an interesting thing to kind of bring up. Let's say for you as an example, let's say you get out of school and I, I don't, I mean, I, I deal with salaries a lot every day, but I'm saying like, let's say you get out of school, you snag like a nice $50,000 a year job right out of school, which is really good. In the, in this price pricing kind of uh, uh, housing market that we're sitting in right now, that may not qualify you for much, right? But, and that's for you to move into. But what if you end up buying it for rent? Right, I get to use your fifty thousand in income plus the rental income, so now you're going to be able to qualify for a bigger home. Oh, does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So there's we do that. We obviously do do that a lot. That's a big uh, thing that we're able to do now. Is young kids are coming up, they want to buy for themselves, but instead what we're doing is we're saying, look, we can structure the deal differently. If you end up buying it for a rental first, then we can actually get you a higher huh. price. What about types of income for him? So if he gets a sales job right out of school where it's a lower base but potentially higher income because it's commission versus taking a higher base salary, yep. what, 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 how does he have to think about that? Because yeah, yeah, I would always sure. tell him to take the sales job because you're going to learn totally. so much in sales, get into sales, you're going to learn a ton. But often the income, the guaranteed portion of that income is lower. Exactly. So in the mortgage world, basically the way it, the way it works is Let's say you take that sales job and that sales job is, as Tom says, it's on a smaller salary, but you've got this commission or this kind of bonus structure built into your sales and your quotas. That's great. But the problem is until you have a two year history of taxes to show them what your income is from that variable component. And we say the variable component is the sales part of it or the commissions. So the problem is, is let's say you came to me and you said, Dave, I just started this sales job. I'm three months in. I'm making 30,000 as my salary, but I've got this awesome setup. We're going to end up making like 70 grand at the end of the year. Well, that's cool. But until you have a two year history, I can only use the base, meaning your application is only going to have that $30,000 salary on it, which of course, as we know, it's not going to qualify you for much. But as soon as you've got that two year history, right, you come to me and you go, Dave, look, look at my T4s, man. I did, my base is only 30, but my T4 from last year was 70 something. The other year was 62. I get to use an average between those two. I see. And now that qualifies you for more. Does that make sense? Yeah, you just got to wait the two years in that situation. And then what about about if he has a family member who would co-sign for him? How does that alter things? Yeah, so that's basically like, it's funny. And can you explain co-signing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co-signing is, I mean, the way to look at a co-signer technically is just look at them as a co-applicant, right? So imagine, Aiden, you, let's just pretend you are buying a house. And I say to you, Based on your income credit, everything, you qualify for a $250,000 home. 
and you go, oh, shoot, that's not, that's not enough. Like, I'm not going to be able to find anything. Well, what you would do is you would want to add more. You know, how do we, just what we talked about, how do you get a higher price? You need more income. Well, then what do you do? You add someone to the application, just like you would add a brother or let's say you were married. You would add your wife to the application yeah, okay. and then she, her income would be combined with yours and now you guys can get pre for a higher amount. So it's the same thing, a, you know, but and people call it a co-signer. A lot of times the co-signer has to end up being on title anyway. So they're not actually a co-signer, they're a co-applicant. Yeah, it's so, kind of like the language we use, exactly. but really totally, they're, they're totally. another applicant. They are a lot of times. The, the A true co-signer in the mortgage world, the actual, if you really want to get to the heart of it, a co-signer is considered someone that was on the mortgage application to help approval, but was not forced to be on title. Meaning if Aiden and you, for example, Aiden goes to buy a house and he doesn't qualify for it, but with you added on as a, as a co-applicant, it is approvable. What we would do is then go to the bank and say, hey, look, we've got this approval with Aiden and Tom. We would like to request that Tom is approved as just a co-signer. We call it a guarantor and not have to be on title. And that way they're just on the mortgage and not on the title. Otherwise, if they don't allow that, then you, Tom, and Aiden would end up being on the title together. Not a big deal when it's family, but sometimes you run into situations where people are getting co-signers and it's like, their uncle, you know, that they don't really know very well or something like that or, or and something. Well, the, how often does the bank allow that where the person co-signing is not on title and just guaranteeing the mortgage? Not all the time, but I mean, a lot of the, the, the most times that we see it is when it's 20% down payment or more. Um, so it's not an insured mortgage. It's a conventional mortgage. And um, there has to be, you know, it has to be close. Meaning, I'll give you an example. I have zero income and I'm buying a home. And then I bring my dad on as a co-signer, right? And I say, I want him, I want dad to be a guarantor. They're likely not going to allow that because they're going to say, look, the primary applicant that you've got here has no income, nothing. Like, so we want, we want that co-signer to be on title. Um, but let's say, for instance, Aiden made $40,000. We added you on. He only actually needed a little bit. He it was pretty close to qualifying. So he, he didn't need you for all of your income then we can make a case to the bank and say, look, let's just have dad as, you know, a guarantor and not on title. So it's, it's, but it's, it's all decided, but through management. And what's the advantage to Aiden if he's just on title? I'm just trying to think this through. I guess that he clearly owns the property. I would be on with him for you the know, mortgage, I, but I think I guess, for Aiden, I guess, I guess, I guess, well, yeah. here, I think for Aiden, I mean, you know, he's, he's all of a sudden in the dating world and this, the girl he's dating goes and pulls up a geo warehouse <laughs> and she sees that Aiden's on title with Tom Carrazza. She's going to be like, well, you know, Aiden's cool, but he's on title with his dad. But if <laughs> she pulls it up and it's just Aiden, she's gonna be like, oh, Aiden's a boss. Yeah. Could you yeah. Wow. This guy owns his own house, for, like on his own. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're dating a girl, <laughs> if you're dating a girl that's going out to geo warehouse and start yeah. searching your name yeah. there's other problems it, yeah it might be you might have the wrong girl yeah. there but um no i mean the, it, there's there would be little things like you know down the road having to get dad taken off the other thing too refinancing is might be. refinancing might be a little tricky um no more in the sense that we would just have to make movements like maybe down the road now aiden qualifies on his own well we're gonna have to get go to a lawyer and get you removed Hold from off. the title um the other thing to think about was land transfer tax so imagine now you you're a first-time buyer aiden Tom, you are not. So you end up having to be on the application. Say the bank says to you that you have to be on title with Aiden. Yeah, damn. Therefore, Aiden, what you don't know, or you probably do know actually, is that when you buy a home, there's a land transfer tax uh, instant credit yeah. that you get as a first-time buyer. It's $2,000. I, I don't still know what it right. is anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I mean, that's a Jerry uh, yeah, Gatto yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so the way it works is if you're buying a home on your, on your own and you don't have your dad on title, you get 2000 bucks off the land transfer tax. Awesome. Right. If you end up buying the home though, and dad has to be on title of the home with you, you only get half because half the people are first time buyers. So you only get half of that instant rebate. So you'd only get a thousand bucks. I mean, what, it's, what's determined? What, why would the bank want them on title versus just being on the mortgage? Like what, what's the difference? Well, for the difference, I know is, what the difference is. Yeah, sorry, yeah. but what, 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 what to on them, an, what's it matter? Because if, if Tom's going to be liable for the mortgage anyways, why do they care? It shouldn't. I mean, it's, it's, it, to, to your point, you're right. It shouldn't really be a big deal, but I know with insured mortgages, the insurers just do not seem to want, um, to approve deals where the parents are not on the on title, title as well. um, okay. it's, it's always been a pain with them. And that's why the ones that are most approved are usually the ones where it's conventional mortgage. The insurer has been wiped out. It's 20% down payment or more. Now, now the bank is able to make that decision. Cause remember the insurer, when it's less than 20% down payment, the insurer is the end all be all when it's 20% or more, the bank gets to make that decision. And that's obviously a better yeah, thing. Okay. Got it. Do you have another question from... Well, okay, yeah, so just to recap, I guess, I would need 20% down because I'm using it as a rental property and then 5% if I was moving in. Yes. And then I guess what would the 20% be? I know you guys would know numbers probably. I know it all depends on the area but and property, but I have no idea what... Here we go. Yeah. We're going to scare him now. <laughs> now we're going to scare him. What's the 20% number? Nick, Uncle Nick, you answer the question. How much does he need a 20% down? Depends. I mean, it, how many gold coins do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you bought Bitcoin yeah, yet? Yeah, I yeah. hate it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it varies. What I mean, the kind of on the lower end, we're seeing some things in some areas still actually in the 300, like three, I've seen some things at 350 to 400. So, you know, but that's 75, 75 to, yeah. uh, sorry, 70 to 80 grand, right? It's kind of where you're, where you're looking at. I mean, there are some other options too, if depending on what you're doing there, there's people that are investing in different areas and different strategies. So there are things, but it's just kind of looking at the numbers. What I say is a ballpark to go in, I'd say start with the goal of about 80, I guess, and go from there. Jesus. This that ge this generation coming into this real estate market, Tough. this is this is where my mind gets blown in what. Yeah, well, because someone come out of school and then start earning income. Yeah, and, and if you come out of school that, with yeah. credit card debt, can you imagine? You know, we've talked about using credit cards wisely. Imagine coming out of school with credit card debt, having to pay off that debt and then begin saving. Yeah, but so then let's, student, you're not even taking into yeah. account student so debt. You, so let's say you come out of school at let's say twenty two, twenty three. You're loaded up with student debt, let's say, and then credit card debt. And then you have, and let's say it takes you five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years to get through your student debt. So now we're at what, early 30s? Yeah. And then you start saving in an aggressive way for the down payment of your house. What are the prices going to be in is, 10 years? Yeah, to me, this is criminal. Yeah. Like, this is why when it goes back to our savings should go up in value. And Aiden knows about gold. He's, I, mm -hmm. he has, he has, he, he's, he's part of the crowds of yeah, family. He's, he's, he's well, well versed. About, he's, well -versed. He's, he's wearing a gold chain over there, Dave, <laughs> that he bought with his own money. That was not a gift. That's amazing. He, 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 yeah. Actually, you're, Oh my gosh! Tomorrow we're it's going tomorrow. to uh, tomorrow. tomorrow we're going. Tomorrow. So for everyone listening yeah. to this, I shouldn't have brought this. I might up. have to come tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to. Aiden found this. What uh, Kalani Jewelry? It's a jeweler in Toronto. They do crazy chains for like they've done uh, chains for Drake, DJ Khaled. Like these guys are the bosses 
for jewelers in downtown. Yeah, so Aiden finds this, and I was looking for a nice new gold chain, and I'm, and Aiden's like, Dad, I think I found the place. And we had been, you know, we were fortunate enough that we get to travel around the world, so we had actually looked for gold chains in Germany and Italy. I was going through Rome looking for gold chains, and I can never find it in Positano in Italy, on the Amalfi Coast, just looking for, on Capri on the island. And then finally, Aiden's like, Dad, there's this jeweler here, and like, they make Drake's chains. They make, you know, all these guys' chains. Yeah, and, Josie, oh, Altador, Josie Altador with there. Yeah. All right, that sounds cheap. Let's Fred, Marcus yeah. Stroman. Fred Van Vliet. Well, I don't want any of those. I don't want any of the, those yeah. those huge chains. I just want to, but I don't want a, a thread sure. either, which is what you can buy at the stores these days. So we go there. Aiden does the introductions. These guys have become like family now. We know these guys pretty well. And... Dave William Butler is going there tomorrow, and yes. we're going to go look at some gold chains for Dave. And let's William. also throw in Jerry Jerry Gigato. Jerry Gigato well, is so. going there tomorrow. It's as well. a gold chain day tomorrow. Yeah, so, so Aiden might be joining us. I'm going to start using awesome. my middle initial. Yeah, but going back <laughs> to oh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's he's Tom. Tom forgot to mention that he's got a chain coming with a medallion oh we have alarms on. going off because oh. i think no you know what it is in a few minutes no, nick's got to be on his email it's there's not a, me there's either a, there's a oh oh it's me sorry <laughs> it's there's a property there's a it's a property there's a property about to be released in a top secret location that aiden has uh sorry nick has to be on his email and on his phone uh do you want you don't want to tell anyone about the medallion right no oh okay. the, medallion. the no, medallion no let's wait on the medallion <laughs> <laughs> Tariq was asking me about the medallion. No, let's just save that whole save conversation. But going back to what, what students coming out of school and stuff, and, and then when I'm hearing you sh- share that amount, to me, that's why in an economic system that rewards assets instead of rewarding savers, this to me destroys the fabric of society and it results in the destruction of the middle class. Yep. And it's what gets me so upset. And it's why I want and why I'm grateful to you explaining credit cards to Aiden and stuff. These kids need to understand how money works because they're already behind the eight ball. Yep. And it's a shame. It, it, it really bothers me at, 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 to my core. So isn't uh, it frustrating, though, as well? Like when we think when we talk like remember, like 20, 25, 30 years ago, we were all in school and our parents were always weren't they? I mean, I'm sure your parents were probably saying the same thing. I know my dad was always saying, like, I can't believe the school system doesn't teach you guys a lot of this stuff. Well, 25, 30 years later, it doesn't sound like they're doing no. any of that. Like nothing, nothing's nothing's been changed in the more, curriculum. There's more of it. A li- like, I mean, when I say more, it's gone from zero to two percent of, Got it. you know, the 100 percent that should be taught. But I mean, I just, I don't know what's holding it back. Like why, I don't understand any logic to not have this, this kind of, just there's no kind of discussions in the schools. There's no incentives. No, there's yeah, no, but there's no incentives to teach people about certain historic topics as well and stuff like that. That's just ingrained in old no, school ideology, right? Incentives drive behavior in an economy. And when you don't have, when you're not, there's no incentives to change the system, I guess is what I mean. But so if you look at school, it, there is incentive because you're creating a stronger society. I usually interrupt you, Nick. I don't really. <laughs> I know, but the, the argument was the argument was so bad that I had to just kind of. No, just no, basically, no. That's but. a fundamental economic principle that, like, when you incentivize someone to do something in the economy, they'll go and do it. So, in in the school system, the bureaucracy of the school system, no one's really getting paid in there to say, "I want this kids to come out with a better financial education." If there was, you better believe it would happen. And that's what we need. Like we need some incentives where we're paying somebody to say, hey, let's let's measure the financial IQ and you're paid based on how well they come out of school with their financial IQ. You better believe the system's going to change because now someone's financial rewards are based on the outcome of the kids coming out of school. Yeah, that, I get, I get your point, really except they haven't changed other things. Like kindergarten's changed to play-based learning and they changed the sex ed curriculum and they've changed math curriculum back and forth a couple of times. So other changes have been made. But that's all it will. Been, but that's all at free will because somebody in the bureaucracy wanted it. Yeah. If we want something specific to happen, that's not at a free will. So if someone in the bureaucracy wants play-based learning, 
Yeah, sure. That's their decision. They're in power. They can make that choice. We haven't had anyone in the bureaucracy of the school system to decide they want financial education. So it hasn't really happened. And, and that's where I'm coming from. But if somebody just magically said financial education is really high on the priority list, it would happen. But we haven't, we haven't, yeah, obviously no, haven't doesn't, seen doesn't, Definitely doesn't seem like any We haven't seen it. So. Yeah. So well, getting the, any changes through the school system is a little bit of flipping. <laughs> yeah. the, the process alone is kind of crazy. Not easy. Um, well, so what about, so for these kids that come out of school, not kids, young adults now, let's say they come out of school. So let's say Aiden comes out with some debt of some kind, either visa debt or school debt yep. or his friends do. Can you explain to him just a little bit about that gross debt service, total debt service sure. calculation so that so that Aiden understands when people carry debt, like what you will look at it as the banker? Yeah, absolutely. So the way it works is um, when, we, when we go back to kind of when we talk about credit income down payment again, and when we're talking about the income side, there's actually a calculation that is used to actually determine, and it's just an it's just a, an actual equation, numerator denominator. It's very simple, um, but there's two ratios. One is called the um, gross debt service ratio, known as the GDS, and the other is the total debt service ratio, known as the TDS. The GDS ratio is basically taking your income, putting it on the denominator, okay, and the numerator is then going to be the mortgage payment. The property taxes, and they'll add in some heating. This one was the GDS. You said? So this okay. is the GDS. Yeah. So the GDS ratio, it's gross gross debt service ratio. The basically denominator your income, numerator mortgage payment, uh, property taxes, and some heating. They're using big math words. <laughs> numerator and denominator. <laughs> it's the only thing I was good at in school is math, by the way. So and well, gym. That, that works out for the that works out for the, the mortgage broker. I feel, like I feel like you gambled too, though, and that's why the math was good because you're yeah. like I have to understand the gambling. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It was a lot of my, my favorite uh, OEC class for math was finite because it but was when, all when statistics. You were, when you were playing poker, wasn't Bitcoin a thing yet by then, or wasn't it at that time that you it were playing was, poker? Not really, but it had just came in after that. But yeah, it was yeah. so like early adopter, right? No, I know, yeah. but I know some guys that were into poker totally. and they were into poker for a pr more Doug prolonged Polk, period of time. And then they, like they, held, they had Bitcoin. They're like, oh, I yeah. was using this thing for poker. It went from 100 bucks to 1,000. I'm like, hey, I should hold on to this stuff. Then they started looking. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He's like, yeah, that's when I like actually started looking into this this currency yeah. stuff because he was in the poker world. So they were just using it as chips, I guess? Like they, that was their currency no, it was in a the way poker to get, world? Yeah, it was a way to buy into these... these uh, online. Uh, online. They were using it as currency online because you couldn't do it through the banks. Yeah, you it, couldn't it, use visas and whatnot. So you were actually able to buy chips through using yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, because I remember being at a McMaster student property. It was one of Dave's properties and one of his guys was a big... He was into poker and he was telling us, we were standing at the front, right? We're like two landlord guys. He's talking to us. He was explaining Bitcoin and stuff like that mm -hmm. at the time. I'm like, huh, that's really... At the time, I'm like, that's super interesting, man. They they have this own currency that they're using to oh circumvent God. the system. What year was that? But oh, what year? Oh, that was that? a long time Yo, ago. Like now. so, before was, the rush in 2000. Well, yeah. Oh definitely. my God, well oh, before. Would, oh, oh years before. Years before. It yeah. would have been the guy that when he told you the story years ago, you would just be like, afterwards, you'd be like, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. what yeah, Bitcoin money. wasn't even think yeah. thought of as as a real thing back then, right? So, um, so, to go back to the sorry GDS ratio, so. That GDS ratio is not allowed to be, the banks say you're not allowed to go above 35 to 39%, right? So it's just a ratio, right? So numerator, numerator yeah. denominator, do the, do the math, you cannot go above 35 to 39%. The total debt service ratio is the same ratio. So picture exactly the same ratio I just had, but on the numerator, add in your monthly obligations to like your car loan, oh. your credit cards, your, your student loan payments, 
and that number is not allowed to go above 42 to 44 percent and it's right? all the it's all so it's all the payments on your debt payments exactly it's not your debt level okay it's because a lot of people they get they're like oh my god i have twenty thousand dollars in debt i'll never be able to buy a house no 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 that that twenty thousand dollars debt carries a monthly payment with it now the banks will use three percent per month on the balance that's how you'll even let's pretend you have a twenty thousand dollar balance on your credit card and the payment on that in your statement is only $112. That's cool. But the banks say that on a mortgage application, they're going to use 3% of whatever the balance is. So a $20,000 balance, the bank's going to use $600 a month as the payment. And oh. that's what would get counted in that ratio. So, so then going back to credit cards, it's to his advantage not to have high balance. Correct. Sorry, not to have high limit. Um, well, no, but high limit is good. Just balance, right? Imagine this because remember, limit to debt ratio. Limit to balance ratio. If I got a $20,000 limit card and my balance is like 100 bucks. Yeah, okay, got you're it. You're putting your, yeah. you are you are like, that's the ultimate hack but if, on your okay, credit score. Okay. But if you, if you have a line of credit, mm -hmm. that's not as good in that regard. Because when you qualify, don't they use, and I know we're kind of adding another factor into there, but I'm just trying to get clarification for myself. When you have a line of credit, because they'll max out your line of credit and assume... Only on a home equity line of credit. Yeah. So if it's just a, if it's just an unsecured line of credit, like you and I have like a ten thousand dollars, let's like say a, TD that's line like of credit. A credit card to them. Exactly. Okay. They treat that exactly like a credit card. So whatever your balance is, they'll take three okay. percent. If it's a zero balance, you're fine. But where we're we're what you're talking about is if someone had a home equity line of credit, you know, for two hundred thousand dollar limit, yeah. the they banks are using an assumed payment as basically that you're gonna use the full balance. Yeah. Right? Which wasn't that when did that change? Like a couple of years was ago just now? Recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, that was a big change too for that for any home equity line of credit. Yeah, which don't worry, that you'll you need that. Yeah, in the, so you'll, you can use that in the future. We don't have to worry about five, that now. That's five years from now. So, that one. So if he comes out of school and you said he was lucky enough to get the fifty thousand dollar a year job straight out of school, yep. thirty five percent of his monthly. Um, so monthly of fifty thousand a year is forty one sixty six point six seven, and then take that times that by okay. times that by thirty five to thirty nine percent, and that's going to give you the total amount that the bank's going to allow you for your mortgage, heating, and and uh, okay, yeah. and uh, ta property taxes. Yeah. So whatever you're making monthly, times it by point three five, and you can't have monthly payments more than that amount. Correct. Yeah. Point three Sorry, five or point three nine. Or point three nine. Yeah. And and. To get back to why am I saying 35%, 39%, and then 42 and 44? Because it was back to one of the questions you asked before, which was, what does your credit score do? Well, basically, if you have a 680 score or higher, you get allowance to do a 39% GDS and a 44% TDS. You want the higher allowance so that you can qualify for more. But if your credit score is between 600 and 679, then the A lenders say that you're only allowed to go up to 35 on your GDS and 42 on your TDS. Now that's so you recently can qualify for less. Exactly, you would qualify for less, right? And then as we talked about, if your score is under 600, let's say it's 550, you wouldn't even be allowed to use the A okay, lenders. You have to and wait, the, the credit score is out of a thousand, I'm assuming. Um, the highest I've ever seen is like a 902. I mean, yeah, why is it end of nine? Everything like, oh. changed, by the way. So, so if we were talking five years ago and you asked me this, I would have said the highest credit score I've ever seen was like an 820. Um, but the scoring system was different back then. I can explain really briefly is that um, previous to them changing the scoring system, if you had had five credit cards and you had maxed them out, but you were just making your minimum payment, you know, the thing that we just talked yeah, about not, not doing, do now. your score would actually, that person would probably still have like a 660 credit score, which is pretty good still. That same person today after the scoring system was changed, that same person, five credit cards maxed out on all, but making the payments, 
credit score might be like a 610, 605. So there was a, a change in the credit scoring system that made it the balance to limit ratio became a lot more important, basically. And for some reason, they changed the scoring system where now they opened it. Like, I've seen the lowest credit score. I've never, I never saw threes before, and now I've seen 350 credit scores. And I never saw nines before, and now I've seen 920 wow. and 905 credit scores and stuff like that. So. so if Aiden builds his credit, and then he gets a job, so he has some income, and he saves up this, which sounds like a monstrous down Well, hold on. He's going to save up, yes, and then go to dad. For the yeah, rest, that's, right? how, that's how that's going to work. Uh, so then, he goes, <laughs> yeah. let's say then then we'll he see. gets the down payment together. Then that that that's when he approaches the mortgage broker and says, "Hey, look, I'm thinking about buying." Yeah, well, and yes, so that's the idea. Is you and that would be a nice for as a mortgage broker. That'd be awesome. You come to me. You've got your income. You've got your down payment. You've got your credit all set up. That that's an easy file yeah, for the bank or the mortgage broker. What I would even say though to young kids is. Why not contact a mortgage broker now? A good mortgage broker, someone you want to build a relationship with and you want to do mortgages with for the next 20, 30 years, that should be someone that's willing to work with you when you also don't qualify for a mortgage. And they will guide you. Help you you through that? Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 you know, as I said, that's an easy, you come to me with the income down payment and everything else, that's simple, right? I think we're mortgage brokers, we should make us make our money and, 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 and do well and help the communities and the young people is by actually working with them early. So I love working with, you know, oddly enough, I'm like, I, as I said with Lorenzo who works in my office, I love working with them very young, getting them started because, um, certainly that's where you can, I'm not going to change your dad's life by helping him with his credit. He knows it, but I can actually kind of change your life and that's kind of cool. So yeah, totally. I don't think we discussed it just so Aiden knows what is considered good credit above what did you say? 680? Is it? Yeah. So the, the, the cutoff is like, it's kind of like, it's always been this universal 600. So if you're 600 or higher, you're kind of like, that's a, but if you're six, if you're under 600, that's B. But then in the last little while, Remember, we talk about there's the guts. So, like, they'll look if you're a 610 or a 620, the banks, even though you're above 600, they're going to look into your credit, see why are you a 610 or 620. And let's say the reason is because you've had late payments recently. Well, then that's, they're not like, if you had a late payment last month and that's why you're a 610 and you're applying for more credit, you're not likely to get because they're going to say, look, you, yeah, you were just late. But let's say you are a 610, but they look at your credit and you've been perfect for the last 12 months, but you had had something in the past. You know what I mean? That you had maybe had a couple lates on that brought your score down, but it's been building back up. That person might get approved now. So not every 610 or 620 is equal. Yeah. Nick, you're checking? Yeah. 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 Uh, Sorry, just checking for these properties. Um, So what are we missing then? Aiden, anything else? We covered credit, covered income, down down payment. And what we didn't cover, I guess, uh, Nick, on that type of property, I know you're checking your email here, is uh, that was a, like a fully detached home, semi-detached home example at 400000 Yeah, Remember most, the city I well, that, depends the area, but yeah. I mean, I'm just talking outskirts of GTA, like a, one of the suburbs around the GTA, you can get price, you can get decent properties that are cash flow positive at that price point. If you look at like Toronto downtown, I don't know what's that. Well, condos have come down, so that's not a parking spot anymore. It's two parking spots. <laughs> so but and, co- the condo market is definitely softened yeah. a, a little bit, but that's because of glut of supply that seems to actually be being absorbed not like super fast but slowly it's getting absorbed so it'll be interesting to see in the next six six to twelve months how that how that market plays out and then because you can use it's one minute just to give you a heads up it's uh just tom does not want to lose his property well, no i mean i don't know we've worked hard to get on this thing um there's a longer story to this, this though, is, yeah, for another yeah, day yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
But for Aiden, if he was able to get a, like a, a single family home, but that was operating as a legal duplex, the cash flow on that and the overall income on that would be higher than a regular yeah. straight rental. So that would work to his advantage then, no, because you could use that whole rental income, like you're saying, yes. or not whole, there's a percentage. What what percentage of the income could yeah, you Yeah, so the way it works is when you're buying a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex that you're moving into, and then you're gonna rent out the other unit, so you wanna use that income to help you qualify. The only crappy thing is they're only using 50% of that rental income. But here's where it gets really crappy. They take 50% of the rental income and they add it to your total income. So what they're doing is that if you remember the GDS, TDS calculation, numerator, denominator, they're just taking 50% of that rental income and adding it to your denominator, which doesn't actually help. It helps. Don't get me wrong. It helps. Yeah, but not as much. Not as as much. uh... What you would want in a perfect world is they take that whatever that rental income is and they minus it from the mortgage payment and take it off the numerator and then it would be and that's called an offset so there's it's one's called an added to gross the other's called an offset unfortunately they don't allow you to offset when you're buying a home and you're going to rent out units at that same property. But I, I never it does ended up help. doing it, but I thought my first home that I lived in, you know, those raised bungalows, I grew up in Mississauga, right? So, you know, the raised bungalows in Mississauga, they're like the semi-detached yep. ones. The, the driveway was on the lower level and you can yes. walk right in. I was like, man, I'm just going to buy one of those. And I'm going to live. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to live in it and rent out the basement. Someone's going to pay off a good chunk of my mortgage. That was always my plan. And then, I met my wife and we ended up getting um, married and that plan just and kind of went said, wayside. no one is moving in the basement. No. To be fair, she didn't. We just ended up starting to look at, uh, at other it's things. Totally. You know what I mean? But but that was definitely something that I was looking at as my, because I was like, if I can get in early, I'll do that and I'll just, I'll live there for a few years and pay that off and then leverage that up into something else, right? I think that's, I think with the with the way price price action is going in the, in the market today, I think a lot of young people are definitely going to be looking at, you know, um, buying properties where there's an extra, uh, um, there's a there's a rental component inside so that you can help you pay. Yeah, it makes sense. Not only does it help you qualify, forget that part. It actually is gonna you help know because on qualifying they're only using fifty percent. It's a whole thing. But in real life, you're getting hundred percent of that money, yeah. and that's gonna help you pay that mortgage, right? So, Aiden, anything else? That's a lot to go through, man. You're learning more about this stuff at, at his age. That I mean, I feel like me and Nick figured this out, stumbling our way through all this. Yeah, so. no, I think I learned a lot yeah. from today. Yeah, cool. And and Dave, it's cool that you're doing this to sharing it yeah. like this I on love the podcast because I, I know other people are going to benefit from this sharing it with their, you know, with their 18 year old. Well, we get requests all the time like about yeah. helping, you know, this type of stuff for people kind of getting into it for the first time from and you younger totally. people too, right? That's what we're specifically. I was really lucky. Honestly, my dad was my I would just fill my dad up with questions, man, when I was a kid. I, and I'm sure I was an annoying little kid to my dad, but I just asked so many questions and he would just he would always answer and he'd give me very detailed responses. So um, for some reason, I like teaching this stuff because I felt like I got it really good. I had yeah. it really good, man. My dad really hooked me up with a lot of knowledge. So if I can't help you, I absolutely yeah, will. Yeah, no, thank you. No, this was good. <laughs> Let's do this again in, yeah, in a yeah, year. For sure. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Aiden, good job, man. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. great job, Aiden. Hey, everyone. It's Tom Krads again. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode. That was fun for me to have my son in on, on that. So uh, thank you, Aiden, for jumping in on that, asking those questions. And if you are listening to this and you want to join the Rockstar Inner Circle membership yourself, you should also know that it's just one membership for an entire family. So if you, you know, you have adult uh, um, 
I was going to say adult kids, but it doesn't really make any sense, does it? If you have young adults who are interested in this kind of stuff and you are interested in this kind of stuff, um, you can all join under one membership. We typically have families come to all the different training classes, different events that we hold. Uh, right now they're virtual, but I'm hoping they go back to in-person at some time uh, soon. But it's one membership per family. That's how it works. So everybody can kind of learn together. And if you want to learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can go to www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.